Yellow. Hey, 2020 called. They want their podcast back. Welcome back to the Class of 2020, a podcast for the next generation of wanderers and winners trying to live life lavish in a post-pandemic world. I'm your host, Sophia Rain. All right, in this episode, it's going to be something a little different. Let me explain. I love films. All kinds of films. From ridiculous innuendo-filled comedies like Super Troopers and Wayne's World to thought-provoking dramas like Million Dollar Baby and Moonlight. So to break up all the real-life talk of other episodes, once a month I am going to watch a movie and then basically rant about it. But I'm going to be bringing a regular guest to talk with me. Because we all experience and understand movies differently. And also because this podcast isn't just about me. It's about a whole group of people living in a post-pandemic world, and movies are just one of the ways that we can process through all of the crap that's going on, maybe escape a little bit, and, I don't know, be inspired in one way or another. So, I've dragged my high school friend Shireen to this project, and hopefully she'll become a regular if she's down. I've known her for years now, and she's one of, like, three people from high school that I've actually kept in touch with. We also love watching movies. There was actually one point during the lockdown where we would watch films at the same time from our separate houses and then text while watching to, like, discuss. So I guess this movie of the month series is sort of a resurrection of that. And for the first episode, we watched the film that is on everybody's minds and TikToks and Instagrams, Saltburn. Oh, and if it wasn't obvious, there will be spoilers. So be warned. But I'll shut up and let Shireen introduce herself. We're just gonna shoot the shit, as they say. Okay. But if you wanna go ahead and just introduce yourself to the podcast. Well, I'm Shireen. I'm a fourth year bio major at UVA and a freelance film buff. I think that's such a perfect thing to like <laughs> call us. Like, we're not film critics or anything. We're amateur film buffs. Exactly. I like that. Yeah, I watched Soulburn last night. Yeah. That's the movie that's been on everybody's lips recently. I think I first heard about it vicariously through Instagram reels from TikToks because I, I can't use TikTok right now because of where I'm employed. So I like absorbed it and everybody was like don't watch this with your parents blah 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 blah. and i was like okay so there, there's probably sexy stuff in there but i i bet it's not that crazy mm-hmm. but after watching it i was like wow that was kind of crazy yeah i think it's a lot of young people's first introduction to like the sort of erotic thriller more intense movie and mm-hmm. i think it's sort of marketed towards like that audience of, like, i think so people too who are new to Movies are a little bit more than, like, Marvel or Disney that they're used to. Yeah, 100%. I think it caters to a younger audience because it kind of has sort of that, like, coming-of-age feel. Mm-hmm. And you don't have Jacob Elordi in a movie and, like, not attract teenage girls right now. Look, that is one thing that I wrote down. I was like, this man is so attractive. Yeah, and he's, like, the hype right now. He's really? in a lot of big things. He's in Euphoria. And, yeah, he's in Euphoria, um, but that's all I know him from. He's also in the new Priscilla movie. He plays oh, Elvis Presley. Really? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Is that on a streaming service? I'm actually not sure where it is, but I've heard good things. I've heard it's better than Elvis. 
That's interesting because the class that I took for the J term was focused on 1950s film and the professor started out with Elvis, the film, because that's when he was like coming into his own. And then she mentioned Priscilla and she's like, yeah, it's just. I feel like it really moves you in a way that Elvis doesn't. I'm like, I feel like I have to watch this movie. But yeah, I've heard really good things about it too. Also, I just wanted to say, we've known each other since high school. We have known each other since high school. And Ooh. isn't that crazy? Yeah. We're about to graduate and we've known each other since high school. That's like six years maybe, if I met you like sophomore year, junior year. That's, oh my gosh. Wow. Class of 2020. Even. Class of 2020. Ooh, like wow. <laughs> That's crazy. But we've, we've watched movies together in the past. We kind of did a little movie thing over lockdown, didn't we? We did. Oh my gosh, yeah. And we watched some like Bollywood movies. Mm-hmm. We watched one crazy thriller too, right? It was like about people getting lost in the woods and there was like a cult. Do you remember Yes, that? I do remember that. I don't remember the It was movie. on Netflix, I think. I want to say it's The Witch, but it's not The Witch. It's not The Witch. It wanted to be The Witch, I think. I think so. I feel like this is a moment where we can resurrect that bring it back you know yeah. but yeah so we started with saltburn as our first movie of the month how did you hear about it did you hear about it through me or did you hear about it through social media i also heard about it through social media i heard about it through the jacob alordi hype mm. and also the song murder on the dance floor is like really popular right now mm-hmm. and i found out that part of the reason it's popular right now is because it's a big part of the movie yeah sort of ends on that note yeah no i i don't know if i heard the song before I watched the movie, but now that song is just imprinted in my brain. I know, I literally can't stop singing. <laughs> and it's and it's not a new it's not a new song. It's yeah. from the era of the film, which is around two thousand six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In your own words, how would you like synopsize the film? Um. Well, it's about. <laughs> it's like hard to t- it's hard to like it's, summarize yeah. a plot twist movie, you know. You're... But I would say you know it's about um students at Oxford. Oliver, who we first are introduced to as someone who comes from a poor background, is invited to spend the summer at Felix's estate. Felix comes from old money in the UK. And we spend the summer at this estate called Saltburn. And things go down. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to describe it. I also like to think of it, I think when when it ended, I was like, this film is parasite meets american psycho Mm. that's i those are the vibes that i get yeah i think it's trying to go for a lot of things at once and i actually struggled like the most with trying to find the themes Mm -hmm. that it's going for Mm -hmm. like when you first watch it it's a movie that seems to be about class right right? and i want to compare it to something like parasite but i almost feel like that idea is suggested but kind of abandoned Mm -hmm. in the in the movie Mm -hmm. um I think it wants to do the parasite thing where, like, sort of the poor fight back. It's almost eat the rich. Yeah. But it's also not because, like, we find out that our protagonist isn't really as poor as he's pretending to be. And, in fact, he comes from, like, upper middle class, which, I don't know, I think it turns that theme on its head yeah. a little bit. But I think that's what it was going for, at least in part. You know, I think that's why when you start the movie and you're first introduced to Saltburn, it feels like the sinister characters are the family, mm-hmm. Felix's family. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of, like, red herrings that suggest that Felix is, like, out to get Oliver. Or, right. like, this is, like, one of his toys and people are suggesting he doesn't belong. Or, like, people get lost at Saltburn, whatever. And that just sort of, like, flips halfway through. Yeah, 100%. I, I keep saying 100%. But, 
No, I think you're right. I feel like from the beginning, we see Oliver's character is like, oh, you know, underdog. This guy is down on his luck. He's not popular. He's not cool. He dresses like a dork. And then I feel like the first sense that I noticed some sort of like antagonist was when Felix, when his bike was broken. I, f- I don't know why, but I had this idea in my head that Felix was like, oh, I'm the cool kid. I'm going to get, I guess, the quote unquote loser kid. To, I don't know, make him feel bad for me and inconvenience him in some way. And it was yeah. just kind of like picking on him. Um, but honestly, Felix's character is just so innocent, I guess, yeah. throughout the entire film, despite his very extravagant ways. Uh-huh. I feel like he's pretty innocent. Yeah, yeah. I think that's part of what flips it on his head is that at first you're introduced to Felix as this guy that like attracts the room around him and has is this like force, right? Mm-hmm. That's how Oliver describes him at first. And that's what you sort of go in to the movie with. I mean, you sort of go out at the end being like, Felix was just like some guy. He's just, just some guy. He's like some rich, poor kid that like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of gets screwed over and then murdered. So, <laughs> yikes. But I think casting Jacob Elordi for that was a stroke of genius by the director for that reason. And um, and I think hit Elordi's agent as well. Because yeah. we know him from these brooding things like Euphoria where he's extremely aggressive and dark. Mm-hmm. And this one, he's like so much... No, yeah, exactly. I I love when movies do that, where Mm -hmm. they sort of take an actor that's known for a certain type of role, Mm -hmm. and they completely subvert your expectations with it. And so Jacob Lorty, yeah, he's known for these, like, aggressive, masculine characters that might be, like, you know, attractive and interesting on the outside, but then you get to know them and they're kind of evil, and so, Mm -hmm. like, his character in Euphoria is like that, and I believe that's how he's portrayed in Priscilla, or how Elvis is portrayed in Priscilla as well, as kind of more predatory than it Mm -hmm. seems at first glance. And so to do the opposite in this film, where you start off thinking he might be the bad guy, and then you find out that's like not at all what's happening, mm-hmm. I think is a really great way of subverting what we sort of know Jacob Lorde to be playing right now. And I really liked that in the movie. Mm-hmm. Another movie that does that actually is Barbarian, just like a horror movie, and it takes, I think it's Bill Skarsgård, who plays Pennywise in It. Oh yeah. And he's also in that movie. And Kind of spoiler alert, like, you know, it sort of subverts your expectations with what they do with this character. Ooh, I might have to watch that. I'm not a big horror person, but I do love a good, well-made horror film, you know? No, yeah, it's good. It's good. Okay. After you finished the film, what were your first impressions? Honestly, I'm not the biggest fan of the movie. Mm -hmm. I I feel like a lot of its themes fell flat in ways that I I think, like, other films just do it better. Mm -hmm. Like, if... You're interested in the class consciousness, class struggle movie. I think Parasite's a better option. Mm-hmm. Or like Snowpiercer. I'm a big fan of Bong Joon-ho. And if you're looking for like an erotic thriller or something, I don't know. I think there's like better ones out there. It's not my go-to genre, but like I've seen a lot of thrillers. I'm a big fan of that like overarching genre. And mm-hmm. I love movies like Raw, Melancholia. And I don't know, this movie seems very, I don't want to say juvenile, but I think yeah. it's meant for a more mainstream audience then you kind of want to do with a more intense, like, erotic thriller. People talk about how gross it is and how gory it is, but, like, that's because you haven't seen a lot of the stuff out there. Right. And sort so, of, like, a gateway drug into that sort of... Exactly. I think for someone who has watched a lot of things like that, it's a little bit kind of plain. It's it's not as interesting, interesting as people say. Uh-huh. But, um, I mean, if you're new to the genre or if you're, like, a teenage girl watching it because Jacob uh-huh. Lordy, then I think it's going to be your intro to this sort of movie. Yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from. I think I enjoyed this film 
more on its technical aspects. Mm-hmm. I've taken so many film classes at this point, so I'm like acutely aware of intentionality behind films. And I feel like Emerald Fennell put a lot of intentionality in the way that she shot the film. Mm-hmm. I can definitely sense sort of the themes going all over the place and not really sticking to one because it definitely does go in different ways. But I think what I enjoyed or why I like Saltburn is because it's beautifully shot. The acting is pretty great. And it was entertaining to watch. Like, even if you don't get into the analysis of it, it's an inter- it's it, at least in my opinion, it was an entertaining film. It kept me engaged, which I feel like a lot of films these days go for like, two and a half hours mm-hmm. and really you could cut out 45 minutes yeah it was a tight film which i appreciate mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah i i think i completely agree even though i have my qualms with maybe some of the themes and screenwriting aspects of it yeah i can appreciate that it was a tight film i was not bored at any point mm-hmm. and it was actually i i completely agree like technically very well done i liked the acting I liked the editing, I liked the cinematography, I liked the um, score as well. Like All yeah. those things, I think, really lent themselves well to the movie and fed into the parts of the themes that were laid out well, I think. Yeah. Better, I think, than the actual plot, though. Mm-hmm. Which, for me, like I really like being able to follow a plot right. just as much, if not more, than watching something that's visually or cin- cinematograph- cinematically, yeah, cinematically, cinematically beautiful. Mm, yeah. I do have a question for you about camera work and things. Uh So there was this one scene when Oliver is first going into Saltburn and Uh Felix is giving him a tour. Uh And the camera focuses on Felix. So you don't really get to see all of Saltburn. And this is kind of a recurring thing in the movie where like, even though it's called Saltburn and we're taking place in this location that is ultimately what Oliver is vying for, he doesn't really do a lot of big, expansive, panned out shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I think the aspect ratio of it is like... It's um, smaller. It's yeah. Like, well, I don't know. But four I, by three or something? I can't remember, but it's like... There's a four in there somewhere. There is a four in there. <laughs> <laughs> and this is not like the way that you depict beautiful landscapes or if you want to focus right. on the setting around characters. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder what that says about... Oliver and about the film that like it's so character heavy and a movie that is ultimately about location and about his acquisition of land. I so here's my perspective on that. I think the way that it was shot is very much a voyeuristic point of view. You're getting a lot of this film from Oliver's perspective and we know from the get-go that Oliver is fixated on Felix at first and then you know you start to realize that he's fixated on all of the people in Saltburn because like you said you think it's a film about class it definitely starts off or like is in part suggesting it's an element class yeah yeah it's an element definitely and I think Oliver really desires what the characters in Saltburn who live there who are connected with it he desires what they embody. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, yeah. So it's not necessarily like the land or the wealth, given that no. he even comes from wealth. Yeah. But rather like their lifestyle. Their lifestyle, their prestige, their identity of being known. In the beginning of the film, he isn't 
known by anybody. Everybody's like, oh, that's that weird kid or, oh, that's whoever his name is. Like, even even when we get the birthday scene mm-hmm. at Saltburn, they don't know his name when yeah. they're singing. Honestly, that moment, I was like, wow, <laughs> that really is sad. But everybody at Saltburn is known. They're desirable. They have an identity. And I think Oliver doesn't really have that. So he sees these people as somebody that he wants to sort of absorb. Mm-hmm. He wants to absorb their personality, their wealth, their their life force. And I, I and we can talk about that a little bit more later, but it's a very voyeuristic film. Like we get a lot of shots through mirrors and windows too, and even some water, which is all very like reflective or like things that you can see things through, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that gives this sense of Oliver being this lurking, stalkerish, kind of creepy character that's always looking and observing. Like, he may not be as active as the other characters in a particular scene, but he's always there. He's always watching. He's learning and absorbing these, what's the word, synchronicities of these these characters. Mm -hmm. So that's how I saw it. Like, especially when we're going through Saltburn, Felix is, like, pointing out I'm, I'm going to get these names mixed up, but Felix is like pointing out, oh, this is Henry VIII's closet and this yeah. is Shakespeare's pillowcase or something like that. Like all of these amazing things. But we never get the camera seeing that because those things aren't important. The artifacts, the history, the culture isn't important. He's more focused on the person because he wants to be the person I think Uh and to be the person I guess you do have to acquire the material of everything but at the very soul of it I think he wants to be somebody and that somebody that he wants to be is everybody at Saltburn no I I completely get what you're saying and I want to agree because I think he is fixated on these characters this like family and the individuals that make it up but it, it just kind of confuses me when we get to the end because he's happy, or at least he seems to be happy, mm-hmm. with having Saltburn. Right. And I've, I've seen this critique by other people as well. The very end of the movie sort of goes back on some of what it's laid out earlier. Right. And I really think, I don't know, I, I was just really confused by the ending. Is he glad that they're gone? Like, these people that... If it's ultimately about people, which I, I want to say it is because mm-hmm. of so many of the choices that are made earlier in the film that point his attention towards the people and not the actual house or, like, the estate mm-hmm. or the wealth, that sort of goes out the window with the final scenes of the movie. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Maybe people is the wrong word. Maybe status would be a better word. Uh-huh. So you get the status of having Saltburn, of acquiring this land, and you get the status that the original family had you now have power, right? Uh-huh. So maybe maybe it is more about status and power than it is about people and things, necessarily. Because even though we come to find out that Oliver is from a quaint middle-class family and his parents love him very much and he is far from being this orphaned <laughs> underdog character, Yeah, I feel like he still craves power, though. He still craves status and Felix how everybody loves him and he lives at this amazing estate everybody respects him because he has money 
Uh-huh. I think maybe maybe that's what he's going for more. Maybe that's what he desires more. But I understand what you're saying is like the ending is a little bit. Yeah, it, it does seem kind of contradictory, but you know, I guess you could spin it in a way that feeds into an ultimate theme. Maybe I'm missing it. But the power thing I actually do think makes sense. And it's especially like uh, a big part of the more sexual scenes mm. in the movie. Actually, as I say that, I think that the sexual scenes in the movie tend to have a twofold depiction of Oliver. On one hand, you have scenes where he's the dominant person. Mm-hmm. And he does this with Farley. Yeah. Um, and he does this with the girl, Venetia. Venetia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in other scenes, he's sort of subservient. The scene in the bathtub where he's literally licking the floor. <laughs> um, so many disgusting parts of the yeah. film that I was like, is this is this too much? Is this a little bit extra? <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty gross, but I think that those are the most indicative to me throughout the film of power imbalances, mm-hmm. right? And on one hand, he's literally the commanding figure, mm-hmm. and on the other, he's bootlicking essentially, right. worse than bootlicking. And so I don't know. I'm I I wonder if they feed back into the theme or if they were sort of just done for shock value. Because yeah. as much as I want to analyze this movie for its themes, uh, I do think some of it was done to aesthetics for and aesthetics, vibe. yeah, for like the sake of being like an erotic thriller. Right. At least I'm having trouble finding a good like through line. I think yeah. like it has themes. Like I can name some. Yes. But I can't really pinpoint their through line throughout a plot. I completely agree with that. Yeah. They come up here and there, mm-hmm. but there's not one continuous yeah. line. I think another thing that is thematic in this film is sort of the vampire vibe. Have you been noticing that the vampire vibe is coming back? Have you noticed that? No. I've been no. hearing some whispers around of like vampire vibes. You know, if... If that's true, and if you're saying that, I wouldn't be surprised because I think part of this movie, one of the things about it, and it's just like Jacob Lordy being in it, and you know, it's aesthetics and things, and it's score, mm-hmm. is I think that it's part of it advertising to young adults and Gen Z. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if vampires were also in that mix. Right, because I, I noticed that there were a lot of gothic themes. Yeah. I mean, even just Saltburn in and of itself. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, first of all, gorgeous location. Yeah. Gorgeous. Did you know, I, I did some research on this. They chose that location specifically because it wasn't really known to many people. Uh-huh. And they wanted to keep it as secluded as possible so you wouldn't have like tourists or pop culture followers finding it. So they did not reveal the location to anybody until like the film was released. And Rosalind Pike. Rosmond. Rosmond. Anyway, she lived in that estate for the entirety of oh, the film. Wow. So method. that's cool though. I like living on a state. Right? I, I would have been like, oh, hell yeah, I'm staying in here. But anyway, you get this gothic theme of this huge estate of Oxford. I mean, what is more gothic than these ancient universities and these dark libraries and yada, yada, yada. But also you get this, what I think is sort of a vampiric theme in, in that it comes back to this idea that I think Oliver's character is trying to basically suck the life force uh-huh. out of the, the family at Saltburn. Because, yeah. like, one by one, he, he knocks them out. Yeah. They're gone. In one way or another, whether you want to be like, oh, he is the cause of this murder or the cause of this accident or not, 
he is killing them and he's sucking their life forces. He's literally consuming their bodily fluids on multiple occasions. Yeah. Which is very, like, vampiric, I think. Yeah. Um, and through the arc of the film, he becomes more and more confident, more and more sure of himself, and more and more powerful as the Saltburn family starts to crumble. Yeah. I actually completely agree. There's, like, a flip throughout the film that you see not only in sort of the odds but Mm -hmm. in the way that the characters are portrayed like Oliver becomes a lot more confident Mm -hmm. he becomes a lot more of a commanding presence by the end we see his wardrobe change from this like nerdy glasses Oxford student to the outfit who was wearing at his birthday party with the antlers and everything Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's a huge shift there not to mention that like he had to wait until he was invited into their home very oh my gosh, I did not even think about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he does literally consume blood. That was disgusting. Yeah. I don't... That was... In <laughs> that no... Was if... In no way would I find that erotic ever. Yeah, it's just gross. <laughs> Why? <laughs> anyway. I've heard people refer to that scene, the, you know, blood scene, as the vampire scene oh. of the movie. Yeah. Then- it's done at night under the moon. Oh, yeah. You know, and I wouldn't be surprised if there are like several other themes of gothic and vampiric literary fiction that show up in Saltburn, given how many like people have already pointed out. No, yeah. I mean, like, you can just point to what Midsummer Night's Dream? Is that the one with the. They're turning into animals and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, like, the party scene, I feel like that's very Midsummery. Yeah, it was, was that the theme of the oh, birthday? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> almost like it's explicitly mentioned. <laughs> um, yeah. It's almost like I watched the film. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> and then there's the whole labyrinth scene, which isn't... Well, I mean, I guess you could think of it as maybe Shakespearean in a way, but it's also very, like, Grecian uh-huh. sort of tragedy. Yeah. And maybe going from vampires and stuff to more of like a, a topic of death that is also i think a huge motif in the film is, is death or it's not really a motif it's a theme i'm so sorry i be english for mixing those <laughs> two up i feel like one scene that we have to talk about is the grave scene yeah <laughs> well i mean just even leading up to the grave scene do you think oliver killed felix or do you think felix it was sort of in direct killing. Like, do you think he... I mean, we know he poisoned the drink that Felix had, right? So this is this is one of my qualms with the film, is that it reads as a little bit more ambiguous, although honestly I don't think it does ambiguity very well, mm-hmm. until that one montage you get where you find... You see him actually orchestrate everything, right? right. So you see him flatten oh, the tire. Yeah, you're right. You see him flatten the tire. You see him in the coffee shop waiting for the mother. You see him poisoning the drink. You see him putting down the razor blades next to the bathtub. Yeah. And so we know kind of ultimately that he does that. But, like, the twist feels so undeserved. Like, you kind of know. It's not very ambiguous, at least in my mind. Given that, like, two people die and he's right there. And, (laughs) you know. Yeah. So I I definitely think he did, obviously. I think that's apparent in the film by the end. But I was very surprised to see that there was so much of the film left after the death of Felix because yeah. it seems so Felix-centered up mm-hmm. until then. And you think that like that's his obsession, but it ends up being a little bit bigger than that. It ends up being the entire family. It ends up being the estate. It ends up being not just this obsession with one character that he's like madly in love with or something. Mm-hmm. And so that was shocking to me. And it definitely, I don't know, I, that, that was, I think, the most 
kind of surprising thing to me by that point. But I'm yeah. not surprised that he killed everyone. No, no, no. I'm not surprised that he killed everyone. And thank you for clarifying that he did, in fact, kill Felix. I think the reason I asked that question is because of the grave scene. Uh-huh. Because why on earth... I don't know if that was a pun or not. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> why why would Oliver intentionally kill this man that he quote-unquote loves and then basically commit an act of necrophilia? Like, yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. I think there's like... It was um, improvised, did you know? That scene? Really? Yeah. Well, how much of it was improvised? Well, so from what I've read is that Emerald Fennell told Barry Keogh, that's right, that's what his name is, Barry The Keogh. protagonist actor? I'm actually not sure what his name is. I think his name is like Barry Keogh or something. Emerald Fennell told Oliver's character basically what she wanted from that scene. Uh-huh. But it was the actor who played Oliver who was like, I'm going to get down and dirty okay. in this way. And apparently there's only, like, three people on the set uh-huh. at that time to give him sort of artistic that intimacy, freedom. that artistic freedom, a, a less kind of vulnerable state if there's only, like, three three people. But he, I think it was him that was like, I'm going to make love to this ground. <laughs> I'm pretty sure only the actor can really explain this, but why? Yeah. Why did he do that? I, I'm not sure either, and I think... His feelings toward Felix are mixed enough that you can kind of have different interpretations on them. Uh-huh. He states himself that it was a love-hate thing, right? He yeah. states both that he loved him and that he hated him. And I think that that scene is perhaps imagery of both, yeah. like, at the same time. Committing an act of, like, essentially necrophilia is mm-hmm. both one of arousal and of, like, quote-unquote positive feelings about someone or right. something. Right. But also at the same time debasing them. Right? Yeah. And so he's both mourning the loss of this guy he was maybe in love with, uh-huh. but he's also the same, like debasing his grave. Like, right. This is, it's like, it's a, a sign of disrespect. Happening. Yeah, exactly. Both of those are happening simultaneously. And I think that's what makes that scene. I could respect that part of the, the scene. And maybe that ambiguity is sort of how we're supposed to view his relationship with Felix. And if, if there's a scene that sort of, like, encompasses that, I do think it's the, the grave scene. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, it's <laughs> absolutely gross. It made me so uncomfortable. And, and it's it's weird because it, it has this, like, double-edged... It, it's sort of, like, doubly interesting in that while he's on top of Felix, mm-hmm. literally on top of him, mm-hmm. he's also on the ground. So, mm-hmm. and this is something that I guess you see in other, like, sexual scenes in the movie as well, like I was talking about earlier, that he is both in dominant and subservient positions at kind right. of the same time, and especially yeah. in themes of sexuality, and the grave scene does both of that. He is literally on the ground in the dirt, like, licking the ground, and at the same time above Felix. Yeah. So I, I don't know what that's supposed to say about, I, I, I think that that's how that sexuality theme sort of ties back to his larger place in society, maybe? Yeah, because I I think you're right. I think Oliver really maintains this kind of position of liminality through the, the entire film uh-huh. until the very end when he's like, 
finally got rid of all of those guys, I am now the the alpha position, uh-huh. right? So, like, in his sexuality, it's liminal. Like, he's clearly bisexual for, you know, his interactions with Venetia, with the mother, with Farley. Felix and Farley, yeah. you know. It's very much, like, either or, you know. He's neither lower class or upper class. He's middle class. Yeah. You know, he's sort of like a wallflower. His place in the world is never fixed until the people that he sees to be his obstacle are completely eliminated from the picture. Uh Uh-huh. No, I completely agree, actually. I think that's a really good way of putting it, that he is sort of in this liminal space. I think it ties back to the whole identity thing, Mm -hmm. right? Where he he sort of doesn't have an identity where these people do. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what he wants out of them, more Mm -hmm. than wealth even, given that he does come from wealth, as as we learn, or some form of wealth. And obviously he fakes his life. And so identity is a big part of how we're supposed to understand this character. And so actually, I completely agree. I think that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Whoa, we're like finding themes. (laughs) (laughs) Or we didn't know there were themes. Isn't that amazing? No, yeah. No, I love this. And I guess that kind of like brings us to the very end of the film. That Uh iconic scene where he's in his birthday suit jamming out to Murder on the Dance Floor, which is now the song of the year. Like it's (laughs) it's only January and we already have the song of the year. You cannot tell me like that's not going to be the song of the year. I mean, I'm waiting for somebody to top it, but especially the song's kind of mid. I'm not a big fan. But it, it is, it will stick in your head. It is in my head. But there's something about British people on dance floors that, like, throws me off. You know, They're like, always on dance floors. I yeah. have British friends always on dance floors. When I think of, like, British people getting their groove on, I think of, like, low-lit bars. I don't really think of dance floors. But they they do their clubbing. They do their clubbing? They do their... Well, one of my friends, one of his electives, basically, in class was, like, a supervised club visit. <laughs> okay. Like, they would go to clubs, and they'd be able to have, like, one drink or something... And I, I don't know what the, maybe it's like clubbing responsibly or something, but like the school condoned it. Yeah, like facilitated. Yeah. To, oh, interesting. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't club. Neither do I. So I'm like, I don't, I don't get so it. So we just like sit in your room and like talk to movies where people go clubbing. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't know. I think the scene, I think it does sort of wrap things up. Not the many themes that are in there, but I mean, he succeeds. Yeah. It is a resolution of some sort, you know? Yeah. And I think the little, uh, the puppet stage that he's dancing around is very indicative of what the entire film was about. Yeah, it was kind of on the nose. (laughs) It was was very on the nose, which I kind of love, but also I'm like... Wow, there's there's really no room to be like, did this happen? <laughs> there is no, no ambiguity at all by that right. point. I, that's where I think you're right on, on the fact that, is there some ambiguity? Mm, not really. Yeah. And I think that's kind of giving credence to Oliver's character. Yeah. Like, that's a smart cookie right there. Uh-huh. Very sociopathic, which is where I get sort of like that American psycho vibe uh-huh. that he gets away with all of this. Yeah. I, I also think that's really interesting. Like, do you root for Oliver's character? I think that's something that Emerald Fennell does pretty decently. Oh, really? Yeah, like, do you? I think that the reveal that he is not actually, like, from a very poor background sort of took that away from me. 
not because he's not poor, but because it reveals early on that he had these nefarious intentions and that he wasn't just a victim to anything right. that was happening. Right, it's very intentional. Yeah, that everything was very intentional. And also just that, like, this isn't... I think if you are going to do a outsider comes in and upends everything sort of story and you want us to root for that character, they serve as a proper foil to right. They have to be everything. redeemable in some way. Yeah, and, and so he doesn't really have that after no. that reveal. And I don't know. I, I think, like, even from the beginning of the movie, he does, like, and this is, like, giving credit to, like, the actor uh, where that's due, but he does have this kind of off-putting vibe. Even in the beginning, I, I was sort of, like, having trouble rooting for him from the start. I, I was just, I like, agree. he is weird. Like, the, the character yeah. is, like, a weird dude, right? He And, and we see him start making those moves even as early as the other nerdy character that he meets right you know completely sort of, just abandons him exactly and so we know that this guy's intentions were never really good right. from the very beginning and so i don't really root for him yeah but i don't root for the rich people anymore. that's what i'm way. saying yeah. that's what i think is is done pretty interestingly by the director is that who the heck are you rooting for yeah everybody here and maybe that's like some sort of metaphysical, like, we're all human and we all have flaws or whatever. But the rich people are are kind of douchebags. I mean, even Felix in a way, like, yeah. I think he's maybe not a douchebag, but he's ignorant to the suffering that's kind of going on in the world. Yeah. Um, and Oliver may be more in touch with that suffering, may be in a lower class than than Felix, but... The way that he manipulates and lies and lies and then kills and kills and I don't root for him either. Yeah. Maybe it's pretty privileged too that I favor Felix over Oliver too. Because I mean, you got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, I definitely think that like, uh, I, yeah, you definitely don't root for any character. Yeah. But I, I mean, I don't think that's new in any way. Like lots of yeah. films do that. You just have a cast of irredeemable characters. I think this is pretty popular, especially in mm-hmm. um, thrillers mm-hmm. that have like deeper meanings or whatever behind them. Part of what makes the story compelling is that you're watching a bunch of characters mm-hmm. that are morally depraved. Right. Like, this is why like sexuality is a big part of movies like this, mm-hmm. because um, we're seeing just like people we we're watching them and we're like, this is like messed up. This is like just icky and gross. Yeah, but there's also that sort of mental psychological thing that's like you as the spectator are taking the place of the character and sort of like living vicariously through them. So uh-huh. you get that sort of catharsis of oh, they're doing all these bad things. Now I don't like because yeah. people have kinks. <laughs> they're like, wow, I would have, I mean, maybe in theory that would have been kind of cool, but now you sort of like experience that and you're like, maybe it's not so cool. And maybe it's sort of like, I don't know, cathartic to some people. <laughs> maybe? Maybe. I think that's what a more redeemable character is all about, where right. like, even if they are a little bit unhinged, mm-hmm. they're still, they're still for you to sort of maybe like experience a movie through them. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, I didn't really feel like Oliver did that. I was sort of, like, detached from him from the beginning. I feel like if Felix lived, you could probably do it through his character. Yeah, but yeah, his character. Off. Given that he is honest from the beginning, mm-hmm. you have actually more time with the real him, almost, than mm-hmm. you do with Oliver. Because even as the audience, you're deceived about his background until, like, halfway through the movie. I think, right. I think at that point is when it's revealed. Mm-hmm. And so, really, like, yeah, someone like Felix would serve that purpose better. Although, obviously, like... 
he dies. So we right. already get that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, and I guess it kind of does create a distance between the the characters in the film and the audience. Yeah. So that you're not resonating too much with the characters, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and doing some kind of crazy stuff. Yeah. But about the ending, did you, um, what did you think about it? I don't know, did you, did you like seeing him dance naked through his... I don't like seeing anybody dance naked. Okay, yeah. I, Me too. I don't know what it is about. I mean, I'm attracted to guys, but anytime <laughs> I see like a nude scene and it's like a full nude scene, I'm like, this is, I don't like this. Yeah. I don't know, it just makes me uncomfy. But for the purpose of the story, yeah. I think it's good. Really? Cinematically, I think it's like, okay... Yeah. This is a satisfying resolution. I can I can live with this. Okay. I was a little bit confused at the end with that because this is kind of going back to our discussion about how the theme might be more about wanting the actual status of Felix's family rather than the estate itself. But in the end, like, he doesn't have their status at mm-hmm. all, right? He doesn't make connections in yeah. this, like, old money world. He doesn't set himself up for some lineage of his own or something That's like that. True, yeah. It's literally just this guy in, like, a big mansion, like, dancing By around. Himself. And I don't really, like, understand what that says in the end about uh, Oliver's intentions. Like, what did he yeah. want out of all of this? Like, he, like, upended this family that's, like, wealthier than him, but, like, ultimately, you know, like, that's not his... Uh, I don't know why that would be his, like, grief, given that he's right. also from a wealthy background. He's gotten this estate. He doesn't have any of their connections, their status. He doesn't have any other friends. He doesn't really have a job. He doesn't have a job. Uh, so, like, I don't really understand his intentions yeah. anymore. And so that's why I'm a little bit... I was a little bit dissatisfied with the ending. Right. It is sort of like a, not necessarily a cliffhanger, but it is, I, maybe that's the ambiguous part of the film. It's like, <laughs> what the hell happens now? Like, yeah. what are you going to do? You've got, the, you've got the house, you've got the land, but yeah. where's the income? What are you going to do with it? Yeah. How are you going to upkeep this entire house? Because I, I, don't, I don't think that butler guy's sticking around. Yeah. Speaking of the butler guy, I was a little bit, uh, this is one of the ways in which I was a little bit let down by the movie. Yeah. The butler character is another, maybe he's supposed to be like another like red herring. We're supposed to see him as like a threat or a danger. Mm. Uh, Cause he definitely seems like that when uh, Oliver first shows up, right? Like, ooh, this like sinister butler guy, yeah. he like sneaks around and shows up and he ends up just kind of being literally useless. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like standing at the sidelines throughout all the pivotal yeah. scenes. Does absolutely nothing in the movie. Yeah. And I just don't understand. Like, I feel like... It was, like, a waste, almost. What is this character supposed to do in the end? Like, why was he presented this way? I guess nothing really stood in Oliver's way. The butler could have been a really great character to be like, I'm gonna tell the police. Because I yeah. feel like he was suspicious of Oliver from the beginning, whether he that was because he thought he was, like, a peasant or something like uh-huh. that. But he should have been... I don't know. I feel like he should have caught on to... Yeah. Yeah, I think it was just a waste of character. Yeah. Like, I think it was just a waste of the setup from the beginning of this character being sinister. Yeah. But this is just another one of those... I guess you could say it's just, like, not part of the theme. It just seemed, like, a little bit of, like, a loose end almost. Yeah. He just kind of goes away and, like, we kind of forget about him. That's a good way to put it. It's just, like, a loose end. Yeah. And maybe that's really the ending, too. It's kind of a loose end. Bro's right. just like, uh, good for you. You, like, got a big house. Yeah. Like, How are you going to keep like, the lights people? on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess he got there, like, money, too. But even something like murdering the mother, mm-hmm. right? He didn't need to do that at no, that point to get the land. Like, the he, mother completely trusted. Well, she, well, yeah, she signed yeah. the will before she dies in order to, like, you know, give him everything. Or, like, make him her, what is it? The person who gets the stuff in your will. Benefactor? Yeah. 
but he kills her nonetheless in the end he tells her the story we find out that uh, that's who he's talking to and then he just like murders her even though he doesn't really need to do that well that's just playing into psychopathy really yeah i I guess that also takes away from the fact that it's about the land it's like he does this thing against a person intentionally just harm them because he's like he's got he's won everything yeah why kill even more so that's that is interesting to point out is like he just he he goes on yeah do you think that he planned on killing felix and the family from the beginning that was an interesting question because i was thinking about that when we were talking about that reveal scene when they go to his house Uh i'm wondering if he would have killed felix if felix didn't expose him yeah or like had that power over him to Uh expose him yeah so i i I do wonder i wonder too i i i want to say no in part like i want to say like he wasn't planning on doing all of that just because he was kind of obsessed with felix and with like his approval he like goes to the lengths of like apologizing and apologizing and apologizing so it seems he does want to turn felix back Mm -hmm. into like being his friend because otherwise you could just kill him like as soon as he finds out or something right Right. but he doesn't do that and so he's he's methodical so he wouldn't have done it right away yeah he planned it out yeah he did and he does so in a way that you know he could have taken it back right because he ended up giving him his bottle uh, his drink and, you know, he could have easily not done that if things went well. Yeah. So it almost seems like he was testing the waters there. With the scene with Venetia, like, we don't know if he was immediately planning on killing her. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, he could have walked in with the razor blades. Mm-hmm. But he has that confrontation before he tries anything, right? Mm-hmm. He wants to hear her out. And he learns that she doesn't like him. And after that, that she dies. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to say, like, at least with the early deaths, at least with Felix, mm-hmm. he wasn't initially planning on doing that. But I don't know, I guess that's like... A little bit unclear. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe if his confrontations with Venetia and Felix went as according to plan, he could still inherit, quote unquote, the Saltburn estate through marriage or deep friendship or marriage. But I think the fact that their friendship was ultimately severed at that point was like, now I can't get all of this land and this money the easy way. Uh-huh. So now I'm going to have to like take people out. Maybe, maybe that's... Yeah. What it could have been. Because, like, if he didn't kill Felix and Venetia, then they would have inherited the Saltburn wealth and family. Yeah, of course. I guess, like, maybe he could have been going for that, but I don't know. And I wonder, like, if he knew even before meeting Felix who he was. Obviously, he sees into the window at Oxford, and he's drawn to him. We know that. But was he drawn to him because of Felix's persona Mm -hmm. or was he drawn to him because he kind of already knew this guy came from old money you know like why him is it because of who he was like a person that paid attention to him that was of interest oh yeah so you think it was like more about felix himself yeah you think maybe like the salt thing kind of comes after that then i don't know because oliver sees felix first yes hypothetically felix's bike breaks oliver helps felix yes felix is like hey come hang out with us yeah Oliver does so, gets kind of to know him, and maybe that's sort of, like, where the obsession starts. Well, no. He definitely had the obsession when he, he Yeah, when he helped with the bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it is, and this is, I'm not entirely sure, I might be forgetting, like, little details, but I think it is that he was first obsessed with Felix. Yeah. And then that sort of changes once he reaches Saltburn and sees it for what it is, and it becomes a little bit broader than Felix, right? yeah, maybe it comes in, it brings into that sort of sociopathic or maybe even narcissistic thought process of I'm better than these people. These people don't deserve uh-huh. to have this land, this power, this status. Yeah. So I'm going to take them out. 
Yeah. He could have been lying at the end when he says that he hated Felix. Because yeah. we don't really see him ever Does he ever tell the truth? Yeah. So, I mean, he could also be an unreliable narrator till the end. Mm. Like, he could just have been obsessed the entire time and been lying to the mother in this, like, final confession scene about his feelings towards Felix. Mm-hmm. You don't really know. We're left with that as well. I guess on a, on a last note, what are your final thoughts? Rate it. Rate it on a scale of 1 to 10. <sighs> well, I'm going to put it up in my letterboxed. <laughs> oh. And I think I'm going to give it a 2.5, actually. Oh, yeah. Wow. Not a very high rating. I, I, I don't know. I thought it was mid. <laughs> I think that there were films that just did that better. Films that are, like, disturbing and intense in ways that were more, I think, artfully done and more, like, meaningfully done. Because I, I don't mind gore and violence or, like, sexuality in films, as long as it's intentional and it's interesting and it, like, adds to the plot. So those movies, I think, that did that well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's movies that do themes like psychopathy or, like, depraved character. And I think there's themes of the class themes, those movies that do that better. And so I just feel like it was kind of mid on all of those. Yeah. And I would recommend, like, other movies people interested in this one but I think like a lot of people I can see why they would like it and like how a mainstream audience might find this to be really intense yeah because it might be their first introduction to a film like this I can appreciate it's like cultural movement right now but yeah. personally I'm like it's fine that's fair I think I'm gonna give it a six because oh. I do like the intentionality that there is behind it uh-huh. um, and I love the cinematography of it and I love the performances and also just entertainment value I I'm going to give it that, too. Okay. I feel like nowadays it's really hard for a film to really keep me engaged for the entire time. I don't know. It did it for me. The gory scenes did seem a bit superfluous at some t- at some points, which was kind of a turnoff for me. Yeah, I um, thought they were going to be worse, actually. Like, after people were talking about them on social media, I was mm-hmm. kind of expecting really awful stuff. And it was, it was like, gross. But it was, like, you know, it was just gross. And I was like, okay. This was gross. That's fair. That's fair. Maybe I'm just more sensitive. No, but our, our ratings are pretty similar because mine's like a 5 out of 10 and yours is a 6 out of 10. You said 2. 2.5 out of oh, 10. Oh, gotcha. 2.5 stars. Okay. So 5 stars. Oh. 2.5 stars. Understood. So it's a 5 out of 10. Understood. Oh, my bad. I forgot your 10 scale. I, <laughs> I did not do the conversions. <laughs> I didn't do the conversions Bro, correct. This is why your media study is not bad. It's <laughs> so true. This is why I'm not a stud girl, because I can't do conversions on movie ratings. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. Well, it was nice talking to you. It was nice talking to you, too. And hopefully I'll bring you back. Outro music? Outro music. <laughs> All right, that was a wrap on the first episode of the Movie of the Month series that we're going to be doing. Thank you, Shireen, very much for joining me. If you have any recommendations about what film we should watch next, please feel free to DM me, email me, or comment on this episode in Spotify or leave it in a review. You can DM me at classof2020pod on Instagram or email me at classof20podcast at gmail.com. Also, please feel free to leave a review or rate this podcast wherever you can listen to good stuff. And I'll see you guys next time, sending you all the good vibes. So go live life lavish. Bye.